Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Think podcast. Today, we will continue our discussion on Psalm 27 and the topic of rejection. Last week, we learned that rejection is no stranger to most of us. We have all felt the sting of disappointment and rejection at some point in our lives. For some of us, the wounds run so deeply that what started as an offense has morphed into a real root of bitterness in our hearts. Let's unpack exactly what we can do when we are dealing with that bitter root that has no place in our regenerate hearts. Exactly how do we find the comfort we need when we are hurting and life seems unfair? Well, let's find out. Come with me as we put the feet on our faith. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. Rejection is an opportunity for you to examine your love life. Would you believe it if I said that bitterness and rejection will never take root in your heart again if you make God the number one love of your life? And here's a confession. I'm still working on this thing myself. Sometimes I struggle a lot to keep God number one in my heart and mind. There's a bit of a gap between the kind of Christian I want to be and the kind of Christian I actually am. I want to live totally and completely abandoned to God and to His will for my life. I want to always believe His truths, and I long to always trust Him in every single situation I face. I desire to be that kind of person in the supermarket line that is so calm and so patient and sincerely smiling at that weary clerk instead of demanding the price I saw on the sign in the produce section to save myself a whopping three cents. I want more than anything to love my family unconditionally, to set aside my own needs strictly for theirs. I want to let all those who have rejected me completely off the hook in forgiveness based on love. And I want to walk in God's presence, His love, His protection, His restoration every single minute of every single day. I want to do everything that the psalmist described I want to recognize God as my light and salvation, the defense of my life. I want my heart not to give way to fear. I want to be with God constantly, to have my heart melted by His sacrifice and beauty, to run to Him for shelter when I feel the sting of rejection or when I, or when I fear the enemy. I want to know what it means to have Him lift my head. Just picture that. Rejection hurts, but there is one who will tenderly lift our heads like a mother does for her aching child. I want this joy of God's presence to cause me to sing and even to shout for joy. I want to praise God and always have Him number one, first in my heart and mind. I want to stand on the truth that He is my help, to know that He will teach me and lead me. I want to always recognize His goodness now, right now, not just later in heaven, now while I walk in the land of the living. And I want to be patient to wait for Him to show me the way to go as I am filled with strength and courage. I want to trust Him lock, stock, and barrel, no matter what life may be throwing my way. Friend, can we do this? Is it possible to really live like this as a Christian? Or... Do we have this desire so woven into our hearts 
that can be bent on sin so that it causes us to change, to grow, to mature in wisdom, to want to change, to renew our minds, to work out our salvation. Rejection has everything to do with how our love is ordered. Is your love ordered with God first? Is your heart and mind filled with God's love and truth so that you can combat the enemy of your soul? The lies we believe, the thoughts we focus most on influence our emotions, our attitudes, our mindsets, which in turn direct our actions. The heart that has been wounded by rejection boasts a heart full of fear. What loves vie for that number one spot in your heart? Is it extended family, work, your reputation, your spouse, your children, various hobbies that you have, money, what the world thinks about you, your performance, your job, being liked and admired, and the list goes on. Now, you're thinking, wait, hold on. I am the one rejected. And you're saying that I have to somehow love God so much that it doesn't matter. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. When we have God planted firmly as number one in our hearts, as the number one love of our life, there's no amount of rejection, shunning, false witnesses, disapproval, insults, attacks, dismissals that can affect us. Well, it might for a moment. But despite the fact, even in the psalm, that David felt deserted, he pushed himself into God's presence, and that's what we can do. He found reassurance there that God would never forsake him, and that is what matters. Well, how do we do this in a practical way? How does this spiritual truth meet up with how we conduct our lives? It starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts control our emotions and subsequently our actions. We have to choose what to think about the most. And a good place to start when we desire comfort from the sting of rejection is with the Holy Spirit. What melts our hearts is remembering the suffering of Jesus Christ. Psalm 27, a psalm of fearless trust in God, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent, He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now... My head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord.
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Okay, let me give you a personal story of how I overcame a toxic situation and a rather well-established root of rejection in my heart. In 2015, I was released from a full-time position at a local university along with a dozen or so other faculty due to extreme budget cutting. Foreign language has taken quite the beating on the higher ed scene lately. Oh man, I loved it there. I was coming to the end of my homeschooling years, so the transition to full-time work, having colleagues, an actual office, and finally receiving benefits and big girl salary, among many other perks, were all so stimulating and rewarding to me personally and professionally. I poured my heart out and my soul in this job and was an otherwise upbeat and enthusiastic contributor to the university. And then the grumbling started. Folks started leaving or they were let go. Fridays were the let's let go of staff days. My neck was also on the chopping block, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. I kept holding out that I would not be released. My colleagues seemed to bounce back pretty quickly finding other jobs, digging in elsewhere, and finding reward. I won't go into all the details, the nuts and the bolts, so we can just stay on the topic. Suffice it to say, you should know that I felt devastated. And I started telling myself things like, wait, what? After all I've done? I don't deserve this. Surely there is some mistake. And these types of thoughts led to anger and self-pity. Or... I scolded myself, saying things like, maybe I didn't do enough. If only I had done this or that. If only I had said X, Y, or Z. And these types of thoughts led to self-focus, doubt, and insecurity. Or I shook my fist a bit at God, saying, good grief. Just when I finally caught a break, Lord, you really don't care about me, do you? And these thoughts led to distrust and resentment toward God. So picture it this way. Already there was a strong root of rejection gripping my heart and blocking my walk with God. And I just didn't really know it. And one thing after another seemed to be happening in my life, which only strengthened that root of bitterness and unforgiveness. I handled this dismissal from my job appointment in the same way I was accustomed, with anger, self-pity, doubt, insecurity, distrust, and resentment toward God. 
I'm a little embarrassed to confess to you that I approached that same institution on at least three separate occasions over a three-year period, basically begging for my job back. I pitched a proposal of my extreme employee value to the president, the provost, the dean of academic affairs, basically to anyone who would give me his ear. I had pages of typed and polished projects and ideas that I had spearheaded during my time as full-time faculty member to add value to the student experience. I felt like Rocky showcasing my talents and parading in front of them. How could they refuse? Quite easily, actually. And instead of dealing with that bitter root, I just allowed it to grow longer and to penetrate deeper. So the adjunct world can be quite the drain, and I found myself striving to prove myself yet again. I started networking at a feverish speed, got certified in any way possible for online teaching or anything ESL-related. Basically, I took any job that came my way until I worked myself into a frenzy. If an area coordinator emailed me that they had given a spot that I wanted and had requested to someone else, well, I took the news like a dagger to my heart. Why? Because all the mental thoughts I was having were flowing down that same groove in my brain. One dismissal, one change in what I thought was right or proper, and boom, a flood of toxic thoughts came rumbling down the same channel in my head. The groove was well-worn, and with each apparent rejection or disappointment, that groove kept becoming deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, here's some other examples. Have you ever read evaluations that other people write about you? Well, I don't know many uh, instructors who actually enjoy reading those dratted student evaluations. They always get to me. I could have 99% stellar reviews, but there would always be that one student who would rag on me. Actually, he, he would describe someone I didn't even know in his evaluation. And you know what? That old tune would start playing in my head again. Or... Let's say that somehow my name didn't appear on a friend's wedding invitation list. Dang, that hurt. And you know what? I could go on and on. Why is this so important? Well, I'm giving you many different examples of how, as humans, we might feel rejected. And I'm transparently sharing with you how I've dealt with it. It's not pretty. You know, the pain is even worse if we are rejected by someone we've loved by someone who has seen us in our barest form, like a spouse or a close relative. Man, those wounds really dig deeply and can be excruciating to our souls. And then if we even go a step further and imagine ourselves rejected by God, well, there you have it. It doesn't get much worse than that. But there is good news. I can tell you that finally I got sick and tired of letting my circumstances rob me of my joy. I had just begun to start learning about the influence of my thoughts on my emotions and my emotions on my actions. And I felt certain that God had allowed all these issues, these scenarios of rejection and deep disappointment in my life, starting with when I was a kid and all the way up until now, because I had not yet learned to place him as number one in my heart. I was not drawing on my creator for my identity. Nope. I had decided that I would find value in what others said about me instead. 
I would find value in my efforts to work and be successful. I would work to please. I would earn my worth. You know, they say that the higher the head, the greater the fall. Well, thank goodness I finally fell. It hit me. I was no longer willing to allow my thoughts to control my feelings and emotions in a negative, depressing, distressing, and anti-God-honoring kind of way. I wanted mental and emotional health and wholeness in my life like never before. And it wasn't just for me, but it was for everyone else that I love, for the world. I wanted to shine the light of God to others, but I had to be healed first. You see, it appeared that I was working for my Savior to prove my own value and worth. I could remain in control that way. I could pat myself on the back knowing that I was a good little girl. But at the foundation of my heart was a rottenness that had everything to do with what I loved the most in my life, which was running my own show, being my own boss, doing my own thing, my way, my timing. Why on earth would anyone want to do this? Well, it was a reaction to the fact that I didn't trust God, and I thought I could do a much better job than he could anyway. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. What a confession, huh? But listen, God, in his great love for me, as he was reminding me that I didn't have to work to earn his love and favor, allowed these series of unfortunate events to continue to happen in my life, to upset my apple cart. Finally, my apple cart had only a few bruised apples rolling around, banging against each other. You see, harboring anger, resentment, and bitterness had not offered to me the victorious Christian life that was mine for the taking. Instead, I sat down in defeat, and finally I surrendered my plans for my life. One of the beauties of Christianity, unlike all other religions, is we do not have to work in order to be saved. It is quite the contrary. We are saved, which compels us to work and become more Christ-like each day. We desire this, and it's the cry of our hearts. So my mission changed. My surrendered and now humbled heart was ready to be tilled. The sinful and harmful roots of bitterness and anger and resentment were now fully exposed. Before we discover the steps to dismantling those bitter roots and anger and fear, let's take a break to hear from our sponsor. Okay, are you ready for the nitty gritty? Here we go. We've learned that rejection offers us the opportunity to see exactly what or whom is number one in our hearts. If God is not number one in our hearts, we need to repent and learn how to get him to that spot. But how? Okay. A good place to start is by recognizing our own sin and the times that we have hurt others, even rejected them. In other words, have you ever said an unkind word to someone? Have you ever shunned someone in a social setting? Have you ever looked down on another person? Have you ever left someone out or even hoped for their failure? Have you ever smiled inwardly when someone else struggles, thinking that, hmm, they just deserve it anyway? 
Have you ever hurled an insult at someone or called them names? Have you ever hurt someone else by your own impatience and selfishness? Knowing that you have, and so have I, and recognizing that you have been forgiven, forgiven, friend, this ought to melt your heart. It ought to help you see your adversary in a new light of love, mercy, grace. You can see your adversary adversary not out of your own fear and pain. Often when we feel rejected, we simply need to find comfort. But we need to be careful where we look for it. If we keep running to that friend who cajoles us with, oh, I can't believe that happened to you, or that really isn't right, or gee, you've worked so hard and now look where you are. Do these statements sound familiar? Yes, they are the thoughts that created that groove in my brain labeled rejection and bitterness in the first place. And each time I come into agreement with those thoughts, the roots only run deeper. Or maybe we run to our addiction for comfort. In the end, all this does is add layer after layer of padding to mask all the pain and hurt we felt. In the end, we foster the bitter root of rejection and we add on a slew of other health problems to boot. Or we get mad and lash out. We blame others or God for causing us to feel the way we do. We love our status and worldly identity so much that if we keep making someone else or some institution look bad, well, then surely we rise higher in this whole ordeal. Our pride is puffed up. But again, when we take this approach, we do not find lasting comfort. No, we will find ourselves sprawled out on the pavement from the fall from our own pedestal. So friend, to whom or what do you go for comfort when you are hurting from the sting of rejection? Last week, I mentioned the importance of recognizing the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Would pondering how Jesus dealt with rejection help to soften our hearts? Was he rejected? Uh, yeah, of course he was. And herein lies the key to dealing with the pain of rejection, what we ought to think about. We study the life of Jesus. He was called the cornerstone, the builders rejected. Jesus had false witnesses make charges against him. Some of his dearest friends, his own disciples, betrayed him. He was scorned and couldn't even preach in his own hometown. Jesus knew rejection, all right. He knew dismissal, insults, but he never, never allowed these fiery darts and insults and hurts to develop roots of rejection and bitterness in his heart. Instead of hoarding up the offenses and cajoling them and coddling them, no, he poured himself out in the greatest act of love that humankind has ever known. He gave his own life for evildoers, adversaries, enemies, an army against him, foes, and false witnesses. He gave his life for you and for me. When we feel rejected, it would do us well to remember just how we have wronged others and we have then been forgiven. We don't want to throw stones. We intentionally need to run to the Spirit for lasting comfort. And we remember the life of Jesus. Why? Because He knows our pain. 
He can empathize like perhaps none other. But not only is Jesus the friend that sticks closer than a brother, he took the rejection he felt even further. He did not retaliate. He did not recoil in bitterness toward his adversaries. He did not hold anger in his heart toward the ones who had wronged him. He did not sink in self-despair and self-pity. Instead, he surrendered to the will of his Father. He gave himself for you and for me. Let's wrap up this episode with the quote of the week. James Mercer, a commentator, drills down a bit on Psalm 27.4. He translates it this way, quote, The one thing for which I long above all others is to be true and noble and like God. I want to be the best that God can make me. I pant to attain the highest that is possible for me. That is the passion of my soul for which I live and pray and toil each day and all day long, end quote. I hope that is your passion too, friend. That is worth working for, wouldn't you say? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the desire to dwell with you and to seek your face. Stir up our hearts to know you more each day. You sent us your son not only to save us, but to give us a real life model of how we should think and behave. Thank you for giving us your spirit to comfort us in all times of anguish, sadness, and bitterness, and even those times when we've been wronged. Thank you for giving us the mind of Christ. Help us to know how to apply our knowledge of God and His wisdom to our lives in meaningful ways to help ourselves and others. In His name, amen. Next week, we will conclude the series on the bitter root of rejection and our call to choose to think about what we're thinking about. Listen, I'm so grateful for you. Check out the show notes below and please stay connected. Please rate, share, and write a review for me. Your words of encouragement are so valuable to me. I need you. Connect with me on www.startwithagratefulheart.weebly.com. Start with a Grateful Heart on Facebook and Victoria D. Walker on Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, consider donating to Start with a Grateful Heart Ministry. I really appreciate your prayerful support as well. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao.